Good morning, all seasons. It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord. Let's get to part two of our series, part two of our series on the Holy Spirit. I, I preached uh, even before Christmas on, on the introduction to this, and then I said I would come back. And last week, we began the process of just understanding being full or understanding the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, anytime we talk about the Holy Spirit, that's, that's kind of a, a tricky subject. It's, it's kind of a, uh, people kind of fall into one camp or another. There's usually two camps when it comes to talking about the Holy Spirit. There is the charismatic camp, and I grew up in the charismatic side, the charismatic camp, when we talk about the Holy Spirit. So everything for us, and a big part of it for us, was, was everything about healings or miracles or the focus was, was on uh, watching the, the supernatural, watching God do incredible things, and, and, it, and it was awesome. The, the downside to that, if you hang around uh, Pentecostal people or, or holiness people or whatever you want to entitle them or call them, uh, the charismatic side whatever label you want to stick on them. The downside to that is, is that we don't focus as much on the sovereignty of God. We don't focus as much on uh, the forgiveness uh, and, and, uh, of Jesus Christ and all of the, the footprint, what I call the footprint things of salvation. We, don't, we, just, we just run right past that, and so we just believe prayer changes everything. We believe this. And so we may fall sometimes toward that side and struggle with just sovereignty, struggle with just... Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, when something happens that we prayed for and we didn't get what we want, that's, that's when you would see a charismatic have a problem. Does that make sense to anybody that grew up in that? In other words, we prayed for sister so-and-so to be healed. We believed it. We spoke it. Man, we had altar calls. We had prayer calls. We had uh, bishop so-and-so come, and he laid hands on me. We knew God healed her, and she died four months later. So then we have to come back, and it's like, uh, you know, God does, and, and, and we struggle because sometimes the footprints. Now, on the other side, you may fall in the camp where we, we would entitle this uh, non-charismatic camp. Now, they're going to be very strong on the footprints, very strong on salvation, grace, uh, very strong on what well, God is, whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. That, that keeps you from having to pray as much because just whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen, right? Anybody fall from that camp? You've got to be in one or the other, so don't act like you're asleep. You're one or the other. It's like, well, I kind of lean more toward, you know, that, that side. Of, you know, And so in that camp, you, you deal greatly with this. But listen, you have to struggle from another side which if you're coming from that, you deal with a more self-centered church. Uh, the building becomes very important. Our denomination, I'm this, and I'm, you know, you ask them, are you saved? I don't know if I'm saved, but I know I'm Baptist. You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I know, I know I'm Baptist, you know. And, and so you, you move more toward a self-centered. You have to be careful because you can move more self-centered to where I've done things or I'm doing things or I did things that, that gave me guarantee, that gave me a feeling of security. Does that make sense? So they deal more in this and then more of a powerless faith journey. Whereas we, we don't 
pray for those miracles as much. We don't. We just rely that God has a plan and, and, and that God knows what he's doing. And, and if we get into a situation we're not sure, we just kind of just, well, you know, only God knows. And so both sides on the extreme are very dangerous. But yet at the same time, we live in a church that God has created that has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, and no matter what camp you're in, you're trying to find a box to put him in. If you come from the non-charismatic, well, the Holy Spirit, from the time I'm saved, he lives in me, and, 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 and he, he seals me, and that's kind of all the thing, that's all I really know about the Holy Spirit, the only thing I want to know about the Holy Spirit. If you come from the other side, we, we just want the Holy Spirit, and anything that happens is the Holy Spirit. Why is this important, Brother Lot? Because to be the church that we're supposed to be, to be the church that God's called us to be, we're going to have to deal with and find out what his role is in our life and what it is to be full. Now, last week we dealt with that, and, and let me give you the illustration again real quick. When we talk about the first area in which the Holy Spirit comes into our life and sets up, what did we call it? Anybody remember? Comforter. He is our comfort. Jesus said he's coming first to be our comforter. And so which literally means that I am able to do what? Trust him. No matter what the world is saying, no matter what anybody else is saying, I have learned to trust the Holy Spirit in my life as my comforter, as my guide, as my teacher, so that even if everybody else is going this way and the Spirit saying, mm-mm, this is not what we do, then I have the strength to trust. And I talked about my dad. That's probably the greatest thing he passed on to me. And, it, and you don't learn this through the good things. You learn it through the what? You learn it through the bad things. The only time you're going to trust and can really say I trust is if something bad could happen. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trust God? Why? Because they'd have burned to death if, if it didn't work. Did Daniel trust God? Yes. How do you know? Because the lions didn't eat him. Do you trust God? Yes, Brother Lot. How do I know? Well, I, I, I was going through this, and I had to go through this. I had to trust him. I could have lost everything. I could have. In other words, the moment somebody says, do you trust Tell me about it. If he's your comforter, tell me about it. And so in your life, before he can become a comforter, you're going to have to jump the hurdles of because of this. If you ask me, I preach about it every Sunday. Well, how do you know you trust God? Because I left everything and, and followed, because I quit everything and I did this, because I, I gave up this, because I followed him to Forest, Mississippi 27 years ago and I didn't even know where it was, because I can go through list after list after list, because I, I, I went to the bank and borrowed money that I didn't sure we could pay back. And I was like, God, you're going to have to, every, every step of the way, I could keep going story after story after story of just, do you trust God? Yeah. Absolutely. Trusting him right now. Leaning on him right now. And so the first area in which you have to grasp is that the Holy Spirit becomes a comforter. The second area that we're going to deal with today, that you have to realize that the Holy Spirit then becomes your 
power. To be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this drags us from both sides. If, if I'm from the charismatic side, then I've got to trust God as my comforter. I can't manipulate. I can't pray or just name and claim it. I've got to trust If I come from this side, I have to be able to say, well, I can't just say whatever happens, happens. I've got to trust his word and believe that what his word has said. So it's drawing me into a relationship with this Holy Spirit who is walking me through life. Does that make sense? Well, it works the same way with power. There in the charismatic side, there's power, power, power. Yes, but that power is not for your purpose. It's not for your glory. It's for his glory. And so therefore I have to fall into a certain line of obedience and a certain line of definitive where I can't just go crazy and do what I want to do and act the way I want to act. It's not about me. It's about him. Whereas I'm on this side, I have to say, okay, there is power. There is moments. There is more than I understand or more than I can control sometimes. And the Holy Spirit is in charge. Because I can trust him, I can also rely on his power. So the struggle for most Christian circles is the fear. They may say, I believe that most people in the church are afraid. Most people are afraid of this third person. And we talked about him, how he's not about himself. He's all about Jesus. And he's not someone who is is outgoing. He is more the shy part of the personality of God. So he is someone you have to invite in to ask in, (coughs) to say, I will not make me. In in fact, let's just talk about receiving the Holy Spirit. For some people, that's very difficult. Why? Because, okay, Holy Spirit, if it's real, just zap me. Well, what's his personality? The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes on, on, on wings of, of asking or the wings of, of, of wanting to be zapped. No. Holy Spirit comes on wings of praise. It is the moving in your life toward this place to where it's Holy Spirit, you guide, you lead, you direct. I'm open. I'm not, I'm not looking for anything. I'm not trying to anticipate anything. I don't care how it looks or how it goes. I just want your comfort and I want your power, whatever that looks like. And when you can get to that place, then great things can happen in your life. But this person of the Trinity, this Holy Spirit, <coughs> because he's indistinctive, Because he is unseen, he becomes mystical, and it becomes a lot more difficult for people to deal with. Not only that, but listen, power is scary. Power is scary. Just just be at a church service where all of a sudden the, the power of God moves. We can be sitting in here praising. We can be sitting here, I'll be preaching at the end of the service, and all of a sudden, goosebumps start coming up on your arms, and all of a sudden, you just feel like, whew, man, you can feel God. For some of us, it's like, yeah, why? Because we've learned to just, whatever you want. 
And then there's others that when that feeling comes, it's like, I got to go to the bathroom. (laughs) This is not, this is way, this is getting weird. Why? Because because power is scary. Power brings responsibility. It becomes responsible to him to obey, to follow. It becomes responsibility of your person to surrender. Because notice now, you are not, you were bought with a price. You are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a price. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the closer you get, the more responsibility. Responsibility to others. Responsibility to what you're called to do. Now, let me see if I can show it to you in this way. And so, turn with me in your Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21. And I, I want to use the, the church of Ephesus this morning. Of all the stories that I can use this morning to teach you what I've just tried to just kind of introduce, is the understanding that the church of Ephesus has this in spades. And I believe of all the churches and of all the ministry that we read about in Acts and all the different places, Ephesus more symbolizes the world that we live in today than any other church or any other setting. And as I go through, I'll explain. But let's, let's break into, because we have a beautiful uh, ability to connect the two, unlike a lot of them. We have the book of Ephesians that Paul writes specifically to these people that he is working with, that he is trying to grow, that he is trying to be a, a, a leader and a father to. And we have in the book of Acts, chapter 19, we have the actual story of how it, Ephesus was touched and, and the story of the revival and the story. So we kind of have a connection to how God operates in moving in and using people and using his power to transform lives, situations, families, whole cities. So let's look at it. Here, here's Ephesus or Ephesians 3 and let's read. For this reason, I bow my knees to the father of the Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth are named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through what? Through his spirit. The whole purpose is that you would have power, that you would have strength, that you would have might through his spirit in the inner man. Not, not some, some outward, not some, some visual, not something that's just like, okay, this is the charismatic side, but something that from the inside of you becomes inner strength to help you be what you were called to be, to do what you were called to do. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints What is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you may be filled with what? All the fullness of God. So it is in this relationship, go back with me a couple verses, go back to verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. Let's, let's catch this now. That, 
that you may be able to comprehend, verse 18, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints, which is the width, the length, the depth, and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes what? Knowledge. So it's something you in your own natural will never know, can never comprehend, can never have, but yet God says, I want you to have it. So how am I going to have it? Listen, that you may be filled with the fullness of, So when I am filled with with the power of the Holy Spirit, the comfort that I have and the trust that I have is opening me up to the next level of what God wants, which is power. And the power, what it's designed to do first and foremost in your life is to give you a glimpse and to comprehend what is the depth, the height, the breadth, the length of the love and the, and the security and, and, the, and the care that God has for you and the family that you're in. This last week when we went through funerals and all the different things, it was on display. To, to see my family, all of us laughing and all of us just going through it and, and there's my dad and we're, we're taking photos and we're doing, and, and I know people's like, man, we feel so sorry for you. And I'm like, I, I, we're good. And I know that sounds so strange. They're like, how can you be good? Why? Because somewhere in the process of my dad singing about heaven and preaching about heaven and my dad believing in heaven and my dad wanting to go to heaven, something happened. I actually believe in heaven. I know it sounds crazy, but I actually believe in it. I actually believe that it's a better world on the other side. I know this is going to sound strange to most of you, but I believe what Paul said, it is better to be gone than to be here. That's crazy, I know. Most Christians don't believe that. Most Christians are like, I believe in heaven, I don't want to go. I sure hate that you, I sure hate you have to. I'm like, that's kind of, that's kind of the deal. But be honest, we have a fear. Why? Because it's unknown. The only answer to it, the only cure to it is that the Holy Spirit comes up and begins to reveal, not within my knowledge, because my knowledge can't do what? I can't grasp it. It, it. it just doesn't work. If somebody says, well, explain to me why you're so happy. I can't. Explain to me why you're at peace. I can't explain it. I can just tell you there's a peace. I can just tell you there's a, my knower knows. It just knows that, that everything's okay, that everything is good, that, that my dad is good. That every, and the only way I can explain that is right here is that God wants you to be filled with the fullness of himself, which is the Holy Spirit. And in this, it empowers me to overcome and to deal with things that I normally couldn't. Notice the next verse. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or... Look at that person beside you and say, God can do more than you think. So, so whatever you think, you're, you're, you're short. Whatever you, whatever you can imagine, you're still short. He can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you hope, imagine, or think. Above all that you ask or think, according to the power 
according to the power, which is the Holy Spirit, right? But notice how he describes it. According to the power which worketh where? It's not this power, it's this power. The power is trying to explain to me, teach me, reveal to me things that I naturally can't grasp. And the more that I will allow the Spirit to teach, train me in things I don't understand, the greater my life can be. So I live my life, and somebody says, why don't you do that? I can't do that. Because the Spirit says no. Well, it won't hurt anything. I don't know if it'll hurt anything or not. It's not my business. Nobody's going to care. I don't care if anybody cares or not. It's not my business. You're asking me things I don't understand. I just know the Spirit says no. Or the Spirit says do this. The Spirit says forgive that person. Well, that person's done me so wrong. That person's hurt me. That person's abused me. That person, Forgive them. I don't understand why I got to forget. You, you can't understand. But in doing it, I will reveal to you and unlock for you things that you in your natural could not grasp. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is not calisthenics at an altar. Although those are good to be filling, continually filling. When we give altar calls, we're doing it. So, are you filled? Well, Lord, I feel like I'm leaking, and and you know, it's like the guy went to church one time, and and every Sunday he'd come up to the altar preacher, would pray for him, man, and 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 he'd say, he'd say, God, fill me, fill me, and and preacher'd pray for him, man, he he all excited to go leave and next Sunday he'd be right back and just tears and just like you know Lord fill me fill and preacher pray for him and, and finally one little old lady on the front row the guy come up front he lays in his hands he's praying God fill me and she just yells out don't do it Lord he's got a hole in him <laughs> and that's kind of the way all of us are aren't it I'm continually, and the word there is continually filled when Paul says be filled. Why? Because you have a hole in you. What you got 22 years ago, let me explain to you, it's done leaked out. You may have the memory of it, you may have the residue of it, but whatever spiritually happened, remember because when it happened, you was ready to start a bus ministry, sell everything you had, join a monastery, shave your head, whatever it took. Now, can't even hardly get you up on Sunday morning. Let me explain something. It leaks out. And it has to be refilled within you. You have to decide, I'm going back to the altar. I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to allow the Spirit once again to remind me the things that I don't understand because I'm constantly telling the things that I don't understand. God, I don't know why you didn't do this. I don't know why you didn't heal this. I don't know why this didn't happen. I don't know. And he's trying to say, you'll never get the answers by asking me You only get the answers by me filling you. And I know that sounds so strange to the world. Someone comes to the altar and says, tell me why my mom died. And I'm standing there and I'm like, I can't. But if that person comes to the altar and raises their hands and says, I don't understand why my mom died. 
Will you pray with me? Yes. And I don't understand how when we begin to pray and the Holy Spirit begins to move on that person that all of a sudden the tears begin to flow and they turn around and they look at me and they hug necks around people have been praying with them and, and all of a sudden they still don't have the legitimate answer but the weight and the pain and all of that, it's like it's okay. The Spirit inside of me has said it's okay. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the power that He brings into our lives. Verse 21, To Him then be glory in the church by Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, go with me to Acts 1, 6 and 8. This is what Jesus is talking about when He speaks to His disciples. And listen to what He says. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, when will this time to restore the kingdom of Israel? And He said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in His own authority. But you shall receive what? Power. Now, He's told them in, other, in Luke and stuff, when He leaves, the who's coming? The Comforter's coming. That's what we preached last week. He could have said, look, I want you to go to Jerusalem until the Comforter comes. I want you to go to Jerusalem until the one I told you and been preaching about, the one that's going to be a guide and a comforter and a leader. But no, he tells me, he said, no, 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 you go back to Jerusalem and you wait for the Comforter? Yes, but you will know him and he will express himself as one of who? Power. You will know him because of power. Power is what distinguishes him from everything else. Power to change you. Power to comfort you. Power to do what nobody else. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. The, the word power there is dudamus. I told you last week we learned the word paraclete. Well, today we're learning the word dudamus. Not only is he a comforter, but he's also power to have might or strength. It doesn't mean, and I love this, it doesn't mean battery power. It doesn't mean, because when we think of power, we think of, of uh, like a battery and we think of cranking amps. What, what, I, what, I, what I need, Brother Lot, is I need cranking amps. I need to be able to sit here and then hook myself up to the battery of the Holy Spirit. and But it doesn't work that way. The Holy Spirit is not a battery power. The Holy Spirit is a fluent power. The Holy Spirit is a power that is a moving power. Let me describe it this way, one way to define it. The meaning of the word is not stored power like a battery, but power to enable to work to accomplish. So we use the word interchangeable as grace. The word grace. And I gave you a definition for grace a long time ago that's different than unmerited faith. I told you it is the power to do what you cannot do on your own. We can also say that grace through the Holy Spirit, power through the Holy Spirit, is that same thing. It is the ability to do. In other words, you come up to a situation and you're like, 
oh, I can't do this. What am I supposed to do? Keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, but I, I can't do it. It doesn't matter. Just keep going. Why? Because at the moment you need power to overcome it, the power will be there at the moment. In other words, there's not no amount of reading or amount of studying or amount of praying I could have done and put into a battery to prepare me for my dad's death. There's no amount of time, no amount of reading or looking at pictures that I could have finally just looked at you and said, okay, I'm ready. I'll just let it happen. No. What happens? God says, start moving toward it, Tim. Now, do I read? Yes, I I read. Do I pray? Yes, I pray. Yes, I'm doing all of those things. Why? Because I am preparing myself for what? The Spirit to move in my life, not trying to use the Spirit as some battery over on the side like, well, I've I've been preparing for this. I'm prepared for most anything that I've gone through with the Lord. What I've had to do is spend time with the Lord, relationship with the Lord, and when the phone call come or when the problem come, he says, then I will raise up a standard. Then I will do things in your life that you couldn't do your own. Then you will get power that you didn't ever think that you had. It's not stored up power. It's not power you just carry around with you, but it's power that you know is always on reserve, and at any moment that I need it, I can throw up my hands and say, God, I can't deal with this, and the power of God comes and says, that's okay, I can, and I'm going to do it through you at this very moment. That's power. So I had to do that because if I don't, what I want to do naturally is to sit around and ask myself, okay, do I feel strong enough to deal with this? Anybody ever do that? You may even tell God, God, I'm telling you, I just can't handle this. God, don't let that happen. I, I, I can't take that. I'd die if that happened. No. You don't know what you'll do when that happens. Because it won't be your power that handles it. It'll be God's power working through you. Go with me to Acts 4. And let me show you what this power looks like then. Because here again, we get all caught up in, immediately after this, of course, the power of God falls. They all speak in tongues. They're prophesying. They're doing all. And, and we get caught up in that. The charismatic side, oh, that's, that's, that's power. And, and, and But let's go to chapter 4, and I want to show you, beginning at verse 31, what it looks like. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken, and they were, hold on now, they got filled in chapter 1, didn't they? Didn't they all get filled and spoke in tongues and, you know, 3,000 got saved? And Well, here we are in chapter 4, and they all got together again. Somebody's got a hole in their cup. Because now they all got to get filled again. But what did I say? The Holy Spirit is. He's not a what? It's not a battery. It is power that moves when it needs to move. When he needs to move with power, he moves. And he refills you. He's always in you. But there are times he will just swell up. There's times he will just embow. There's times he will fill you to accomplish what you need to feel. And here's what it says. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with 
Oh, they didn't go staggering around in the streets this time? They didn't go prophesying all over the street again and, and act like they were drunk? No. This time they said, God, we got a problem. What's the problem? We just got beat. Peter and John just got beat for preaching your name, and they told us don't do it no more. And there's a part of us that's scared. There's a part of us in our flesh that's like, we're going to die. But there's a part of us that's excited because for the first time we stood in front of them Pharisees and in the power of God, they couldn't resist us. So they went back to the group and they said, look, we need to pray for what? We need to pray we got more boldness and power than we've ever had to be able to overcome this. And when they prayed and the place was shaken, guess what the Holy Spirit did? He gave them more boldness. This is the next verse. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, and neither did anyone say any of, of his things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, oh, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great Great grace was upon them all. Does that make sense now? Grace is the ability to do what you cannot do what? On your own. The Holy Spirit is the power to accomplish what He wants to do through you when you cannot do it yourself. And when you understand those two, then you understand why the power of God is important. <coughs> so if you see me worshiping at an altar, if you see me my hands raised, if you see me praying in tongues, if you see me understand that's not, let me say this correctly, that's not the Holy Spirit. That is me being filled by the Holy Spirit. But if you see me tomorrow, Let me go through the list of what things they did. Listen, in verse 31, it says this, they had radical boldness. If you see me tomorrow now, and I start talking to somebody at Walmart, and, 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 and I start saying, look, you need to be saved. And I'm sitting there, my hands are sweating, and I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with all this stuff, and, and here I am with boldness, and I'm like, look, you need to know the Lord. Well, I don't know. I'm telling you, okay, where's that coming from? That's the Holy Spirit. If you see me tomorrow, verse 32, caring about people, loving people, even people that don't even like me, then understand that's the Holy Spirit because he brings radical unity. Because they had all things common. They, they loved one another, considered everything they had. That's what he said. He said they had radical power. They had radical boldness. They had radical unity. Let me tell you something else they were. Verse 33, go there with me. And with great power, the apostles gave witness of the resurrection, Lord, and with great grace upon them all. Let me tell you something else. They had, they had radical witness. Did you meet someone last week that you thought, I should share the gospel with them? <coughs> I, I should tell them about Jesus. Man, I should witness to them. And you didn't do it. Do you know why? Because you were not filled enough, full enough, 
empowered enough to do it. Their radical witness came from the fact that with power, the apostles began to witness and teach. Now, this is important to me. It may not be as important to you. Because some of you are just talkers anyway. And you're extroverts and and you like people and you love going out and hanging out. But listen, for me, this is very important. Because I'm I'm an introvert. And God says, Tim, I need you to have boldness. I got no boldness. I need you to witness. I'm no good at it. I, I need you to, to care about people, to love people. And share. God, you know I'd just rather just leave people alone. And God says, then there's only one way we're going to get this done. I got to fill you with my power, my spirit, so that you can accomplish what I want to accomplish. And let me just say it this way. Why do you think it is God always picks you to do the thing that you don't like doing? If you're a talker, he tells you to be quiet. Lord, I'd love to be the one that I'm doing this. And, 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 and he's like, no, no, I want you to do this. Then if you're if if you're a not a talker, he's like, I want you to. Why? Because he gets glory through showing the world that his power made something happen and not yours. So that's why he chose witnessing, because witnessing is embarrassing, and witnessing is tough, and it's hard for all of us to walk up to someone and start sharing the gospel. It's like, I don't know if this person is, you know. But it takes power. The next thing you find is verse 34. Now, nor was there among them any who lacked, for all were possessors of lands and houses, sold them, and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed each as everyone had radical love. Now listen, I'm not telling you to go sell everything you got, and I'm not telling you to, to, you know, give it to the church. You live in the motel up here in Scott County and, and, and just hang on till the Lord comes back. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the heart. That when the Spirit's moving in your life, you will sacrifice for someone else. I've never had a problem at any time in our church. And, and people always ask, well, how do you get people to give? Or how do you get, how, how do, I mean, how, Brother Lott, you, you, you know, y'all's church is doing stuff. Man, your church is a giving church. Your church is this. And, and I'm like, there's only one answer. We're full of the Holy Spirit. That's all there is. We're not full of the Holy Spirit because we all laid in the floor. We're not all full of the Spirit because we all ran around and, and with our hands raised and speaking in other tongues. and just Now, there may be some folks doing that, and, and if that's what they need to do to get filled, let them do it. 
Because tomorrow what I want to see is someone who can love, and I want to see someone who can care, and I want to see someone who, who doesn't love their money more than they love God. I want to see someone who can sacrifice for others. I want to see someone who's bold enough to witness to someone. I want to see all of those. And if that's what it takes to fill them up, then I'm all for it. Whatever it takes to fill you up. If you're a crybaby, start crying. That's me. I'm a crier. Man, I'll lay on my face and start crying, and God just moves on me. But when I get up, I'm ready to take on hell with a water gun. Why? Because my whole goal of all that I'm doing is so that I can be filled so that they will see not Tim Lott tomorrow, but they will see the representation of Christ that's filled with the Spirit. They will see the person that God wants them to see, and the world can be changed. That's what the world is missing in our day and time. What the world is lacking to see is a church that has the power of the Spirit of God. We fall so much to the charismatic to where we just want miracles and TV shows and all the stuff like this, or we fall way over here where it's like, oh, that stuff is scary and, and, and it's mystical and I don't want all that stuff. I like to control. And, and you're missing the point that the world is longing to see something bigger than you. And to do that, they have to see the Spirit move through you. And when it happens, it transforms the world. The church as of our modern time, listen to me very carefully, the church of our modern time is not transforming our world. There are churches in spots and places that are making dents and are doing some good things, and, but as a whole, and nobody's looking at me like, oh, that ain't true. No, look, turn on your news. Look at your cities. Look at, it's not a lack of a field being white. It's not a lack of a need of people being changed. But yet if you turn on the TV programs and you, man, it makes it sound like we're transforming the world. We're not. Because one person on a stage in front of a camera can't change the world. It requires the move of the Holy Spirit throughout. Now go with me to Acts 19. I want to show you the picture real quickly. Acts 19, verses 1 through 20. And I'm going to walk through this as quick as I can, and I want to show you a picture to give you a picture of what it's like to transform a world. Now, I told you we've already read from Ephesians, so this is the story of Ephesus, okay? It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to where? Ephesus. And finding some disciples. Now, disciple means that they are believers. They are followers. They are, are people who, who have an understanding of salvation. They are They are disciples. And he said to them, since he knew that they were saved, they are disciples, he looks at them and asks them the next logical question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you... If Paul was in here today, and he was preaching to us today, he would distinctly ask one thing. First, are you saved? No, I'm not saved. Well, then we need to get you saved. We need to, to transform your life. Now, let me explain it this way about salvation. Salvation is the Holy Spirit 
introducing you and baptizing you into Jesus. This is what salvation is. In other words, no one comes to the Father except to be led by the Spirit. It is the Spirit's role. That's why the Spirit was sent by Jesus so that he could draw all men to himself. So the first step has to be, it can't change. The first step is, is that the Holy Spirit has to draw you and say, are you saved? Do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you confessed your sins? Have you accepted salvation, the work of Jesus on the cross? Have, have you accepted him dying? And, and allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in your life. If you say, yes, I'm saved, then it means the Holy Spirit has introduced you to Jesus. But when we talk about being baptized, in the Holy Spirit, that is where now the introduction to Jesus, Jesus looks at you and says, I want to introduce you and baptize you into the Holy Spirit. It's, it's how you become part of the family. It'd be like if I walked into my house, my mom's house, just take Lexi. Lexi just become part of the, the lots. She just become part of the family. She married Taylor, so she's part of the, the family. So when, when she was introduced in, when she was introduced in, what took place? We had a ceremony. And at the ceremony, they exchanged vows. She, she became Mrs. Taylor Lott. The, the, the work that was done, the, the, the commitment that was made, the covenant that was made, gave her a new, what? New name. She didn't have to do anything. She didn't have to work for that. She, did, she just had to do what? Accept it. She accepted it. Taylor said, would you marry me? I will. I accept it. But that's not where it ends. Here at Christmas and all of this, Taylor then comes and brings her to our house, brings her to all the functions, brings her to... And what is he doing? He's introducing her to who? The family. In the same sense, the Holy Spirit comes and says, I've got to first introduce you to Jesus. You need to be married to Jesus. And then Jesus turns around and says, now let me introduce you to my family. My family is holy. My family is this. My, my family is, but you couldn't have, you don't, you don't do that at Jesus. That's why most of us stop at the Jesus. We want to know Jesus because Jesus has no requirements, has no uh, struggle, has no, just gift. But when we have to go up to the first Christmas and meet Uncle so-and-so and Aunt so-and-so, and they're like, oh, Lord, all these crazy people. I didn't know when I joined the family I was going to join. I just thought I got Taylor. No, no, Taylor is a lot. And now Taylor has come to introduce you to all the family. 
Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, temperance, all the different gifts of the Spirit, all the different things of the Spirit, all the, and it's going to make you uncomfortable. It's like, okay, i got to hang out. Man, that's a crazy uncle over there. Yeah, but he's, he's the lot. When I like this one, I know that they're very sweet and nice. They're lots too, but they're all lot, and they all fit in the same family. And the Holy Spirit then introduces you through his power to the entire family. All the gifts and the grace and all the work. That's why you know the fullness through Jesus. No, you know the fullness through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's no problem if we introduce Jesus to the world. I can preach at a conference of thousands of people in a building and I can preach Jesus and I'm going to have a big response. But if I take that same message and I preach the Holy Spirit then, if I say, every one of you that know Jesus, raise your hand. Yes. Okay, now I'm fixing to take you to the next place. I need now Jesus to help me introduce to you the Holy Spirit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And this is what Paul runs into. Listen, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So they were introduced to salvation, but not introduced to fullness. This is what happens. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism, repentance, which is what we preach today, right? Everybody needs to do what? Repent. Everybody needs to repent, except Jesus. Repent. Well, that is. That's how we get into the family. And Paul said, John indeed baptized the baptism, baptism of repentance, saying the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of what? So he said, listen, let's, let's redo this thing. Let's make sure that you're built on a firm foundation. They get back in the water. And what happens? He says, listen, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm going to baptize you in the name of Jesus now. In the name of Jesus, I baptize you. You are now married to Jesus. You come up and notice what happens. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, then when they came up, he said, okay, you're married. Now it's time to introduce you to the whole family. He laid hands on them, and the Spirit came upon them. And they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, the men were about 12 in all. Okay, that's the introduction. This is at the, at the edge of Ephesus. This is his starter church. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months. Three months. Reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. And when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way uh, before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of uh, Tyrannus. And this continued for two more years. 
so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of Jesus Christ, both Jews and Greeks. Ephesus was an enormous city. It's a big city. And it was a perfect spot for Paul to set up camp and to preach the gospel, keep preaching the gospel, making disciples, growing the kingdom, growing the kingdom. And he did this for two years and three months. Listen to what happens. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs or aprons were brought to his body to the sick and disease left them and evil spirits went. Paul could not cover all the territory. But God was using Paul to take his word. He was using the power of the Holy Spirit and one of the ways he used it was is that people would bring handkerchiefs. Paul would take pieces of cloth. Paul would lay them against his chest. Paul would pray for them. Paul might wipe his sweat off on them. He would say, look, take this and lay this on your aunt so-and-so who's over here. or lay it on." And over the course of time, what was happening was so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and disease left them and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jews, exorcists, took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. So people who didn't want to follow Paul or, or be part of this religion or be part of allowing the Spirit to move in their life and to do it the way Paul said, they said, we just want to take the name of Jesus, but we don't want the power. Welcome to America. We want the name, but we don't want to play with the... So what do we do? So they say, we exercise you by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. Because they have no personal experience. They have no personal relationship. They are simply preaching the words that they heard someone else preach. Welcome to our world. If you lack power, then you just tell stories that you've heard other people tell. You just regurgitate scripture that you've heard somebody else speak. We put them on plaques and hang them on our walls. We put them on our phones and reminders. We do little devotions. And we do, but the only problem with this, we have a form of godliness, but we deny power. Verse, 20, verse 14, also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil uh, spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the men in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both in all the Jews and Greeks that dwelt in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Notice now, because of power and the ability to handle or deal with issues is what raises or lowers God's presence in a situation. So you can preach the gospel without power and it won't work. Because the spirits that rise up, if they're stronger than just your word, it will overpower your word. But if your word is stronger and your power is stronger, it will transform the situation that you're in. 
It, it could be your family. If you say, well, I've been praying for my, for my you know, son or my daughter, but have you been praying with power? Have you had the power to say, listen, you evil spirit that you've been tormenting my son, you come off of him. Ha- have you been able to pray with power? Are you filled to where you can pray with power? Because listen, it ain't enough to just say, Lord, and I know you can, and I know you love, and I know you w-. Sooner or later, whoever has power will overcome. My whole life here in Forest, if, you, if you've learned anything from Pastor Lott, hopefully you will learn this. He who has power wins. That's the reason I've told you and used that phrase every Sunday after church. What do I say? Because if you don't and he's powerful, what's going to happen? He's going to give you fits. So decide. This ain't about him giving me fits. He's messed up. Why? Because the moment I walk out of that door, I am stronger than him, mightier than him, more powerful than him. Tim, you're nothing. You're right. But he who's in me is greater. So if I'm full of him, if I'm full of him, then the enemy has no chance against me. And many who had believed became confessing and telling their deeds. This is what happened. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all and were counted the value then. It totaled over uh, 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of God or the word of the Lord grew mightily and that's the story of Ephesus. That's the story that God wants to do in your life. That's the story God wants to do in your family. That's the story God wants to do in your future. That's the story God wants to do. But listen very carefully to me. He can be a comforter, but He also must also be your power. When Pastor Lot says, hey, we need to be filled with the Spirit. It's not so that you can do calisthenics or do jumping jacks or, or, or even want to talk funny. I don't care about all that. Those things will take place in your life. It's part of the process. It's the doorway. That's the way I describe it. If I told you to go back there and, and get something that you needed, you're going to have to go through the doorway. Well, to get through the doorway... I come on wings of praise. I I come. The Spirit, when He moves on us, it's not about you. It's about Him and how He feels you. It may look different to one person than another. It it may cry. You may jump. You You may speak in tongues. You may pray. As the Spirit moves upon you, that's what the Bible always says, as the Spirit gave utterance, they moved. It wasn't they were looking for it, it's just they were open. And why, whatever you got to do to feel me, I don't care. I don't, I just want power. I just want to be stronger than this depression. I just want to be stronger than this anxiety. I want to be stronger than what I'm fearing at my work. I want to be stronger than my family's situation. I want to be stronger than this. And I don't care what it takes. Just allow me to be stronger. Just like in Ephesus, it was the power of God was so strong that magicians and soothsayers and and all these black magic and everything else had no power against Paul's message with power. That's the story of Ephesus. Go with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. I want to show you something. In chapter 6, verse 11 and 12 of Ephesians. 
Because remember now, the book of Ephesians is written to the same people that he established the church. Listen to what he says about this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Ephesus understood this. I don't think we do. I think you think your problem is your boss. And I think you think your problem is you were born at the wrong time or you don't have enough money or you see your situation. No, bro, my problem is my wife. My problem is my husband. No. The Ephesians, what made them such a great church and such a powerful church is they realized their battles were never physical. The battles over their city, the battles over their life, the battles over their families, the battle, those were spiritual battles. And they knew that they needed to be filled and put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. They knew they needed to put on everything they had. Why? Because they had to go to war. Why are you so emphatic about this? Because this year, listen to me very carefully. Let me tell you what this year is going to be for the for Christian people, for the church, for, for spiritual the world that we live in is becoming more chaotic because it is becoming more anxious and depressed and it's becoming the answers that were promised are becoming less and fewer and it's making people more angry. And listen to me very carefully. Your battle will not be against people, but it's against the spirit that's been prevailing against all this through all the process. And your battle this year, which is going to come, is going to be spiritual. I'm not trying to prophesy 2022. I'm just telling you where we're headed. And you're going to find that if you don't refill and feel, if you just think I'm just going to float along and do my little Bible study on the way to school or church or whatever I'm going to do, and I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to just go along and what I used to do is going to be enough to get me through this, you're going to be badly mistaken. Because whether you believe it or not and understand it or not, I'm going to say it very clearly. You are in a war. And it's not Republican or Democrat or Independent. It's not CNN versus Fox News. Those are just leaves on the tree. But the tree itself is coming and taking no prisoners. And it will do whatever it can to usurp. Ephesus did everything it could. Tried to come up with its own strategy to, for Jesus. Hey, we'll use his name, but we won't believe and have... The world's going to do anything it can. For a lot, they would... Listen, you can take the most wicked city in the world, the most worst place you can imagine, let a hurricane be coming at it, let a tornado hit it. You know, the first thing people's going to say, we all need to pray. Because they don't have a problem with the name. They just don't want the power. That power transforms me. For we do not wrestle against this. One more scripture and I'll let you go. 
Go to Ephesians 5 and 16. I'll close with this one. Run out of time. He tells the Ephesians, redeeming the time, because the time and the days are what? I don't have any other way to say it. The world we live in, the society we live in, where kids can't even play in their yard anymore because you're afraid what might happen to them. We live in such an incredibly evil world. We live in a war zone. And I'm going to tell you, just like the Apostle Paul told the Ephesians, you better suit up. And you better fill up. Well, we got to fight. Well, how do we fight? Well, how did they fight? Unity. Love. Didn't see nothing they had as their own. The Spirit isn't here to give us pocket knives and let's go wipe out the bad guys. Paul won his battle in Ephesus the same way we win our battles now. By preaching the gospel with boldness. And by loving and caring and sharing, even in the face of every, knowing that he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. It's how the disciples turned the world upside. When Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem for power, what did the power look like? Well, I read it to you. Chapter 4. Unity, love, caring. So I want to ask you, when you leave here today, are you ready to go to war? Are you ready to love, care? Are you ready to say, whatever I got, it's not important. I'm just trying to use it for God's glory. Are you, are you ready? Are you ready to win a battle for your family? And those people that are around you. As for me, this year I am. I want to win. I want to see God do some great things in some lives. Because if we don't see it in some lives, it's going to be a lot of stories we're not going to want to hear. It's going to be a lot of stories this coming year. And it may happen in other places, but I've just drawn a line and said, I don't want it to happen here. I can't fix every city. I can't fix every... But I can draw a line and say, as for this place right here, we want to be a light. And we want to have power. Not like a battery, but power that rises up for every situation that comes. And ready to take it on. Will you stand? Next week, I'll give an altar call toward what I've just preached. I'll be honest with you right now. I'm kind of drained. 
It'd be very hard for me right at this minute to just do what I want to do. There's nothing wrong. I've just exerted a lot of energy this week. Good energy. But I need to spend some time. I'm like, kind of like Jesus used to be. He'd be like, let's go to the mountains for a few days. Then we'll come back and take care of some more stuff. I'm kind of that point right now. I guess the easiest way to put it is we all have to be filled, refilled, so that we can pour out into other people's lives. But I want you this week, I want you to work on the three Ps. If you don't remember anything I've preached today, I want you to focus on these three things this week. The three Ps are are simply this. I'm going to pray up. I'm going to power up. And I'm going to praise up. Brother Lot, how do you fill up? What is it that you do? That's what I do. I start praying. Not praying about what's wrong or what's bad. I just start praying and just thanking God and giving Him glory, reminding Him of all that He's promised, all He's going to do. And I, I just start praying. If there is anything in me that's still hurting, then I just throw it at Him. I pray up and then I power up. I'm a walker. You may be one that lays down. You may be one that, but I have to walk when I'm praying. I, I, that's the way I fill up. It's just, it's just walking. And, and then I praise up. I start, I, each one of you may like different kind of music and different. I go back to a lot of old black gospel, southern gospel. I, I go back to a lot of older stuff. And they start playing that, and, and it's just like, it just, it reminds me and feels and seals me. And so over this next week, I want you to get ready. I want you to ask yourself, am I prayed up? Have I been praying like someone who needs to get ready for war? Have I been powering up? Have I been allowing God to just feel me through what I read and the song that I might be listening to and I just need to stop and throw up my hands and just praise God and let Him feel me? Have I been powering up? And have I sealed it with praise? Just praising Him for who He is and what He does. This week I hope that you will spend time engaging God there. Three Ps. Praying, powering, and praising. If you do that this week, I feel like next week when we come to church, something miraculous is going to happen. I'm going to come and be praying for you in expectation that the miraculous is going to take next week. There are going to be healings next week. There's going to be people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit next week. People that haven't been filled in a long time that just felt like, man, my cup 
I don't even know if it can be filled. It's going to get filled. Because this year is going to be a year not just of fighting war against the principality, but it's also a year we win. Because we always win. And that's what's awesome. Father, this morning, for that person that is starting out this year and it seems like it's going to be a long road. It seems like it's just, I'm not sure, so many unopened unsure things and so Father let them pursue you it's not important that they understand or know because in our own knowledge there's things we just can't know but through your spirit through your spirit we can have peace and have an understanding that passes our human ability, that gives us boldness and strength and courage to press forward. God, I look forward to this year. I look forward to the lives that will be changed. I look forward to the camps that's coming. I look forward to all the miracles that's going to take place. I look forward to lives that haven't arrived yet, that new people will be walking in these doors. I look forward to all that you're going to do. Give me the courage, the strength, through your Holy Spirit, boldness to press forward. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Go give that devil fits.